Welcome to the Forever I Love Atlanta Sports Podcast. Here with your boy, Coach Mario. And I got the Don here. And we also have this week uh, a lot of soccer talk. Our Atlanta United expert, Mr. Eric. Uh-oh. I don't know. Uh, Hunter, you know what? I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I don't like giving out people improper handles. So I'm going I'm to catch myself and let it give it out because uh, a lot of times. We give out government or handles, and I don't know how you want to handle that, so I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Eric Quintana. I'm uh, on on Twitter at Eric G. Quintana. I'm a host of uh, one of the Atlanta United – I think the first, the original Atlanta United uh, podcast, Mouths the South, at MOTS Podcast on Twitter. Um, have a show every week um, that goes out – streams on YouTube as well. And we have a radio show on, on uh, the Atlanta Sports X, 1230 AM and 106.3 FM uh, every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. So if you're looking for Atlanta United content on the radio, that's where you find it every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And I assumed it was okay to give out your government since it was on Twitter, but yeah. you know, hey, hey, I still, hey, still got bro code. <laughs> bro code is still in effect. And uh, what's going on with you with this week, Don? Quiet What's good, you guys? What's good, you guys? Um, glad y'all can join us this evening. I know we're a little late this evening, but you know, we promised y'all an episode, so we gonna give y'all an episode episode this week. Um, uh, we will be talking about you know Atlanta United. That's gonna be our main topic tonight. Uh, Unite and defend. Um, uh, come you know, come out at your um hometown sports podcast. Yes. yes. All right, so we'll uh, jump right into it, and we'll run down some scores from this past week. Uh, the Hawks, Monday, we had uh, Houston in the building, and we dropped that, what, uh, what was it, 119 to 111. Wednesday, we uh, played Minnesota. 123 to 131. Man, we're scoring a lot of points this week. And, of course, we had the epic. Was it four overtimes? Four overtimes. Four overtimes with Chicago, 168 to 161. And uh, we actually played Chicago again this afternoon, 118 to 123. Man, we scored some points last week. I guess uh, Trey, Trey getting hot, huh? Yeah, so we went, we, we won two games and we lost two games. Yeah, sweet. Uh, yeah, Trey Young, he was also named the um, Eastern Conference player. Um, Player of the month for February, um, you know a lot of he he had a, a buzz Friday night um, versus the Bulls, forty nine points, uh, sixteen assists, and eight rebounds. So yeah, he he was on it on Friday. He was, and we know we also know the day that he got ejected today from staring down the player night. I I, I just don't understand that. Like LeBron James and uh, Steph Curry, they do this all the time to other players. They don't say anything to them. It was, it was terrible for viewership. I mean, Trey is going off right now. You have some people trying to tune in to see him. Uh, NBA, that's terrible. Like, that's terrible for viewership. To that's why anybody's watching this game for Trey. That's why he's watching it. Trey Young, a casual fan, was only looking at this game and say, "Hey, man, Trey's been heating up. Let's see what he's gonna do. And you gonna kick him out the game?" Yeah, that wasn't very smart. NBA. Uh, Braves spring training. Uh, done. You want to give out the spring training scores? Uh, yeah, I'm actually um, a baseball guy, but spring training scores to me are, you know. <laughs> a lot of people still get interested in it, you know. Yeah. Um, watch, you know, um, we beat Washington um, four. Nine, four. Yeah. Mets, um, we won, also won that game three to four. Uh, we beat St. Louis Cardinals zero to four. Um, some strange reason this week he did not do well against Detroit. Um, <laughs> seven assists in one game, and uh, we also played Toronto. We beat Toronto three four, and we lost. You know another game to Detroit seven four, and today we beat uh, the Marlins five to six. All right, everybody, we're not going to get deep into this. Everybody, save your tweets. Our Falcons update this week. <laughs> we uh, re-signed Matt Schaub. And the other big news was Dan Quinn said that uh, we'll probably exercise the option on Big Beasley. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, you know, I'm not we're not gonna give our views and you know, opinions on that. 
because everybody we'll be about it. You know, we just gotta <laughs> wait and see. We gotta wait and see. You know, just sit back and relax and just figure out what's going on. And uh, all right, Atlanta Legends. Uh, we were actually playing last week during the podcast, so the game ended after the podcast. So last Sunday we did drop our opener to uh, San Diego, wasn't it? And we are currently playing right now, and we're up eight three. And everybody, by uh, Chris Sims went down. If you didn't know, early in the first quarter, and Aaron Murray got in. What we've all what what. Well, I guess you said we, I included myself. What we've all been waiting on, and uh, he's doing pretty good right now. So the score is still 8-3. I need to recheck because I hadn't checked since we started the podcast. Yeah, so that touchdown, you know, was a Georgia-Michigan <laughs> connection. Georgia-Michigan uh, connection. Yeah, Aaron, uh, Aaron Murray, a former Bulldog, and uh, Shoelace Denard Robinson, you know, a former Wolverine, you know. Like, go blue, you know. So, uh, Eric, if you didn't know, my partner is from the city of Atlanta, and some kind of way he's a Michigan Wolverines fan. So we had to figure out how that happened. So that's a little backstory on the little the little jabs you just seen us give each other. But now, as we got you guys caught up on a rundown last week of uh, sports, our main topic tonight is soccer, and of course, being the hometown spot, hometown sports podcast. We support our Atlanta United. And um, I have to be honest, just my just when I'm watching a soccer game, it's exciting. You know, I, I can watch it and get into it. And I, you know, I don't know the strategy, but, you know, I, you know, you can figure out, you know, I mean, it's 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 exciting. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of strategy. I am interested. What? See, I don't even know what questions to ask you. Before we get into the before we get to the questions, we got to talk about what happened with United this past week. Okay. Um, in the Concav Championship uh, League, legs two, uh, this Wednesday it was played at Kennesaw State. Um, I guess uh, fifth third stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Hernando. Uh, it was zero to four. We won. And that gave us that round, I believe, because in the um in the first leg it was what three one. Yeah, three one, and uh, we went down there. So that uh, we needed to at least win two nothing, or the other option was just to win by three or more goals. So obviously, winning four nothing that does it for Atlanta United. They 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 advance to play Monterey in Mexico. That first game is going to be Wednesday, I believe, at ten o'clock. Um, because they're playing in Mexico. That's why it's so late uh, in Atlanta. Um, but, yeah, and, and speaking towards, you know, watching soccer as a new fan, how it's exciting it is, the first two years for Atlanta United, the tandem of players plus the coaching plus the the overall tactics of Tata Martino, it, it led to a very exciting brand of, of soccer that kind of um, – it did a good job of kind of bringing in fans that maybe didn't know exactly what they were watching. Maybe just wanted to see action, wanted to see goals, wanted to see, um, you know, kind of like the highlight reels that, that, that they kind of see on YouTube and such. It it offered them a chance to watch the game, not need to know much about the strategy, the tactics behind what Atlanta United was doing, but also knew that they were good enough to, to, you know, create a lot of uh, special moments for the team, for the city, um, that culminates in the championship in the in the second year, and uh, and now you've got a, a new group of well, not even a new group, uh, mostly the same players from last year, with uh, you know minus Miguel Almiron, who's in at Newcastle now uh, in the Premier League, and you bring in Pity Martinez, the South American Player of the Year uh, last year, uh, and it's not the, a like for like replacement because I think one of the things you had in Almiron was someone that was going to. Turn up the field. It was good. if you think about it in in let's say basketball terms, you're you're talking about a a kid that can go, you know, court to court real quickly. He can play transition, uh, at, at, at as good as anyone else. Um, if you're talking about a, a you know in terms of football, Atlanta United was a team that, uh, you know, run and gun. They were they were passing the ball all over the place. They were very. You know they they're going over the top all day long, and and that's kind of what Atlanta United's game was. At, at in the first season, they really like to possess. They really like to hold on to the ball. Uh, really like to string together a lot of passes. But in that, they were able to kind of sit back most matches and really focus on attacking on the counter. 
And that's what created a lot of these exciting moments. This year, it's a little bit different. Um, you, you're not going to have, I don't believe, as many of those moments for Atlanta United. You're going to have some. You're going to have moments that, that Atlanta United creates. But the focus is going to be more on Pity Martinez, on uh, Ezekiel Barco, what they can do in the midfield, how they can kind of connect um, Atlanta's defensive third with, with the attacking third, how they can kind of distribute the ball to Joseph. Uh, that's going to be the main difference in how how those two, because Barco came in last year, he had a lot of hype around him, uh, but really didn't live up to it. And so him alongside Pity, we want to see exactly how that turns out. Today didn't really work out that well. Uh, two nothing loss for Atlanta United against DC United in their first regular season match of MLS, and really it it, it was an eye opener because I, aside from the weather conditions. Aside from the fact that I think a lot of these players are looking ahead to maybe, and I don't want to put you know those words those words in their mouths, but from the fan perspective, it could be seen as you know the players are kind of looking ahead uh, to the next Concacaf Champions League match against Monterrey in Mexico at altitude. So there's a lot to consider there. Maybe their minds aren't. I, I think athletes, regardless, are always going to try to play, um, but a lot of fans did get the sense that maybe th- their heart wasn't fully in this one. Um, and it would be understandable. I just don't think athletes are really wired that way. Uh, you got to, I, I get what you're saying. You got to choose your battles. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And, and, you know, we are, you know, we all former athletes, you know, we play, you know, different sports, various sports. Um, like I seen, you know, I watched the game today as well. And I could say like, yeah, they really won. Like, cause we know Atlanta United, they're an attacking scoring team. Yeah. And we didn't see none of that today. And I'm saying to myself, okay, well, you know, the CONCACAF, that's like that's a huge thing. If we win that, like that's I'm not I'm not down, you know, I'm not downplaying the MLS Cup at all. You know, that's important. That's a championship for the city. But you win the CONCAV, you know, I heard that that's like a like a, a bid or something to World Cup or something like that. Yeah, so it it offers you the opportunity to play in the Club World Cup. It's different than the World Cup. The World Cup is countries. This is this is the 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 club the club version of that. So Atlanta United would never play in the actual world cup. And I know, I don't want to, that was confusing me. I, I, <laughs> it, it was confusing me to any, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to assume that American players going to play for a man. man. That was confusing me. So man. Okay. Thank you. I, for I don't want to assume, me. I don't want to assume anyone doesn't know uh, about the world cup or about the club world cup, but the world cup itself, um, that's where the U S U.S. national team would play. The World, the world Cup would be uh, countries being re- represented by players from different, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Club World Cup is the, the you know, the Atlanta United's version of that. Gotcha. Um, so different clubs. So in, in our case, uh, clubs qualify for CONCACAF Champions League. Then they play in CONCACAF Champions League. Um, and then if they win, the winner of CONCACAF, CONCACAF Champions League plays the winner of uh, other continents or regions similar tournament. Gotcha. So South, South America has one, Europe has one, um, mm-hmm. uh, the the you know Australian like the South Pacific have one, Asia has one. I think the Middle East has their own. So it's all these con- all these uh, these winners would then enter a tournament, and that's the Club World Cup. Um, and so if you win that one, the big thing about Atlanta United winning that one is one for them to get to that point. Winning CONCACAF Champions League hasn't been done by an MLS team. So Atlanta United would be the first in that regard. On top of that, you'd be putting Atlanta United as a front office. You'd be putting Atlanta United um, on the world stage for everyone to watch. The World Club World Cup isn't anything. It's almost it's almost viewed as like the, the Olympics in basketball. People are going to watch, but it's not that big of a deal to essentially everyone else outside of, you know, uh, uh, I want to say – North America, South America, really, it's, it doesn't have a lot of eyes on it. It has enough for it to be a thing, but it doesn't have enough eyes on it to where it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's this enormous deal. It's got a TV contract. It's got a, it's, it's people are going to watch, but it's not, uh, it's not the World Cup. I'll put it that way. Um, it's not a championship game or a championship match in, in, in Europe or, or, you know, it's not MLS Cup. Those are all going to be, I think, held to a higher, kind of a higher level. But getting to Club World Cup for Atlanta United would be huge because of what it does for for Atlanta United on the world stage. It, it lets lets the world know that what Atlanta United is doing in MLS is 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 meaningful. It's it's kind of proving the doubters wrong, um, and people are going to be able to see what Atlanta United and, and its players and MLS can do when they invest and they put in the proper uh, coaching and the proper facilities and the proper front office together to to make that happen. 
So if I were an MLS, well, I'm sorry, scratch the MLS. If I were a soccer player, what, which tournament cup would be the biggest one that I could that I could win? Which one would be the most important to me? Then is the way I like to phrase the phrase um, the question. That depends because you have a lot of players that that uh, you know they when they when they start out early they want to play in the in the um, UEFA Champions League. That's okay. the that's the same sort of tournament, in, but in Europe. In Europe, mm-hmm. um, so that's the that that's what that's the that's the tournament that had the, I think has the most eyes on it because okay. it involves teams from the Premier League, from La Liga, the, the league in Spain, from uh, the German league, the Bundesliga. All those leagues kind of get together and they they get okay. into this tournament. So you've got the best of the best teams gotcha. fighting out for the the you know the title in Europe. Um, but then you look on an international stage and, and representing your country, and a lot of players you know, feel that same sort of draw to, to winning a World Cup. Okay. Like, oh, it's because it's, it's only four years and because you're not really playing for your club country, uh, your club team anyway during that time. A lot of the times, you know, once that, that, that once the World Cup comes around, you have players really dedicating, really focusing their time and efforts to winning World Cup with their, their country. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, uh, let's get into the other top. When we know, you know, we lost today against DC United. That's um, two to nine. Um, now, last a few months ago, right, Atlanta United have done something for the city that hasn't been done in 23 years, and that was bring the city a championship. All right, yeah, that was mixed emotions from a lot of people in the city. You know, some a lot of people was happy. You had some people who was in, you know. That's not important, you know. Like my thing is, soccer is like the like outside the United States. It's can't ignore that, right, and that's that's facts. But um, and w- this club has done won this in a two year span. All right, we started playing in two thousand seventeen. All right, we had a great year in two thousand seventeen. And we came back in 2018. We won a championship for the city. Now, West Nets. And by the way, I never drunk alcohol before in my life. <laughs> now I got something to show y'all. Like this right here. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I bought, I bought this. It was like, yeah. That wine? Huh? Yes, yeah, that wine. It's mine. Um, I forgot who made this. Manos. Yeah, Manos. All right. Um, the next team, the next team who win a championship for the city, I will chug this now. <laughs> I've drank plenty of alcohol in my time. <laughs> so what's next for Atlanta United? Um, like, do you see us repeating um, as MLS Cup uh, champions for 2019 or – Will we take a back seat because, you know, we got a lot of changes. Some players who was here last year are not here anymore. And Tata Martino, he's not even here anymore. We have a new coach. So what, what do you think? Well, the expectations for this year are going to be – I think a lot of people have kind of tempered expectations in terms of winning MLS Cup for a second time in a row. It's happened before. Um, it's not that crazy to think that Atlanta United can do it again. Um, the problem is you have a new coach. You have a, a new central a focal player on this team in Pity Martinez who replaces Miguel Admiron. You lost Miguel Admiron, who was a, a, a main reason that you were as successful as you were going into the 2017 playoffs, uh, winning – or sorry, 2018 playoffs, heading, winning MLS Cup. Um, you also have a very condensed schedule because of what they're – how they're trying to move the playoffs because – Last year, there's or in years prior, there have been uh, there's a big two week gap in the playoffs, which kind of takes some momentum out of um, teams that are in the playoffs that are doing well. They, you then don't play for two weeks, and that kind of takes away that momentum. So they've tried to fix that by not only shortening the schedule, but also eliminating um, two legged series from from the playoffs. So now every playoff game is single elimination. So I think, at least for me, my expectation is for Atlanta United to get to the playoffs. Once they're there. It's kind of a crapshoot, and whoever's in the best run of form at the time, whoever's playing uh, the best uh, soccer at, going into the playoffs, and all like they have the upper hand in the playoffs because they're they're the hottest team at the time. 
Um, and that's really what I think Atlanta United was able to do going into the playoffs last year is they got hot at the right time. The last game of the season, they lost the supporter shield that's given to the winner of uh, or the best record in, in, in MLS for that year. And that was something they were kind of shooting for. And they lost it in, in, in terrific fashion. They, I think it was like 4 nothing to Toronto. Um, and so I think that kind of pumped up Atlanta United. The players themselves got them ready. They could focus on on the playoffs. And, and they just kind of had a fire lit under them um, heading into that first match and, and throughout the playoffs. How does that transition? How does that transition from last year this year take place? It's kind of interesting. You have a new coach, again, new players, uh, new folk, new focal players, and they didn't win a championship last year. So this this front office, this head coach, well, the front office did, but the head coach, the 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 coaching staff around him, they had they didn't win a championship last year, and they're coming from at least Frank DeBoer. He's coming from situations where, you know, he was fired soon after starting the gig. You know. It, Imagine a, a basketball coach or, or a, um, an NFL coach getting fired, you know, a month into the season. That's essentially what's happened twice now for Frank DeBoer. Now, he's a he's a guy that I think a lot of people have faith in. He's a guy that uh, uh, tactically kind of fits what Atlanta United wants to do or wants to continue to do. They want to keep that continuity from their championship season into the 2008, uh, 2019. Uh, so that's a big plus. But the I think the focus for Atlanta United right now is going to be doing as best they can in CONCACAF. If they can win out, that's obviously the ultimate goal. After that, I think MLS is is second on that list. So I think today, that's why you kind of saw, uh, you know, you saw Pity Martinez didn't start, and he would have normally, had not been for CONCACAF, he would have started this match. Um, you had uh, Mikey Ambrose, who probably won't, doesn't start this match if, if you don't have CONCACAF Champions League uh, midweek. Um, so it's it's a balance right now. If Atlanta United were to kind of bow out of, cha- uh, of the Champions League, then the focus shifts to MLS Cup and getting as much points throughout the season as you can. Once U.S. Open Cup comes around, which is another tournament that Atlanta United will be involved in, um, that, that then is, is the focus for Atlanta United because that is another tournament where it's another chance for Atlanta United to win a, a reputable trophy in, in the United States and North America. And um, it's a chance for them to kind of, again, put themselves on the stage, grab another trophy and kind of move forward from there. Um, that's, that's how I think most fans see it is, you know, CONCACAF first, then MLS, then uh, U.S. Open Cup. And then once you get into the playoffs, you know, full bore into the playoffs. Okay. Well, that, you know, that right there has explained everything <laughs> we need to know um, about, you know, What's going on? What's going to end up happening within a year or two with this team? Yeah, we won the championship, but hey, we got to keep keep being successful. Yeah. Um, so we got a new player in town uh, for the team, Pity Martinez. Um, how do you think he would transition to uh, MLS style of soccer? He's a he's a kid that's again a South South American Player of the Year. Uh, I believe he's 26 years old. So for Atlanta, it's he's a little on the old side, but not old enough to where you can't then say in two years um, try to sell him off to a team that that you know needs a central midfielder, a, a central attacking midfielder that can really hold on to the ball, that can really dribble. He can, um, you know, he, he's. I like to say that he's got skills with a Z because that's how awesome his footwork is. It's it's impressive what he can do with the ball, uh, how well he passes. Um, the type of chances he can create going forward. I think that he's, he's a different player than Miguel Armidon, who's he's replacing this year um, in the sense that I, I don't think that he's as fast and isn't as concerned about kind of going on the break, counterattacking as, as Miggy was. Miggy was a guy that as soon as he got the ball at midfield, he was turning and running upfield as fast as he could, blown by defenders. Uh, Pity Martinez is a little more methodical. He's a little more uh, kind of strategic. He thinks about. I think he takes his time a little more. Um, and he's one of those kids that can that can dribble the hell out of the ball. He can he can work that ball uh, better than than many people we've seen in MLS. So one of the things that I think you can look forward to is a lot of skill work that ends up going through the legs of players. We call it nutmegging. Um, so that that you can plan on seeing a lot of that because that's part of that's that's kind of been his reputation in the past with his club in Argentina. Um, 
So he's, again, not a like-for-like like replacement, but he's, he's a different player in the sense that once he gets into that final third, once he gets into a point where he can kind of attack goal, he's able to pass it to a, to a guy like Joseph Martinez. He's able to shoot. He's able – he's a more complete player than Miguel Almiron. The difference is that you, you have a team now that isn't so much focused on counterattacking uh, and more a possession-style-based uh, uh, soccer team that is going to be a little more methodical in how they approach – the final attacking third of, of, um, of the field against their opponent. Okay. But he's, he's, I mean, he's like one of the best players that's ever entered MLS. Like, don't get me wrong. He's <clears throat> freaking amazing. Yeah. Cause Orlando city, they got a player. Um, I guess last week and they, I guess they sent up here saying they going to win MLS cup nation. I'm saying to myself, like, hey, man, you kidding it, me? They got to get into the playoffs. First. They haven't done that yet. And they've been here a lot around a lot longer than Atlanta United has. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> Shouts out to Lieutenant Dan on Tension of Ground. He's an Orlando City, um, I yeah. guess, supporter. So, um, your concerns on, on Frank DeBoer, the new um, coach for the Atlanta United, I know we briefly talked about him. What you? What do you think he'll bring to the table? Like, I noticed now that I can tell the difference. I remember when Tata was here, he, you know, he pretty much on the pitch, you know, he's pretty much walked around, stood up. Uh, Frank DeBoer, you know, he's pretty much sit back and, you know, reserve. And um, I heard something that some of the broadcasters, they said that, you know, he has, he's very strict. Like, you got to be there at 10 o'clock. If you don't come at that, if you're not there before 10, you're not practicing. Yeah, he's, a, he's very much, uh, he's, a, he's got a, a very obvious business approach to, to the way he kind of manages his team, the way he kind of conducts practice. Um Look, he's one of those coaches where I, I feel like, you know, everything I've said, I've said at practice. I, you, know, you know what the game plan going is going, going into this game is, um, and, you know, you know what to do. I, I think he lets the players play, and then he makes adjustments when he needs to. I think Tata Martino is always looking to find that angle, find that. Look, and Tata Martino sat on the field, too. It just when he got up off or sat on the bench, when he got up off the bench, he was very animated. And that's what kind of, I think, draw, drew a lot of attention to him. Not a bad way. It's just he, it was obvious that he was always kind of uh, tinkering with things, uh, communicating with his teammates or with his uh, with his players. Uh, Frank DeBoer, maybe not as vocal, but that's not to mean that he's not trying to make adjustments on the fly or anything like that. He's just th – there are coaches that, that are less vocal than others, and that's just kind of their style. Um, I haven't really heard any complaints from the players. Um, I haven't really heard any rumors or, or – or, uh, there's no indication that there real, there's any issues with the difference in, in playing style. I think, sure, there was an adjustment peri period with, with you know, that aspect, the whole 10 o'clock aspect of, or whatever, the timing as the punctuality aspect of, of uh, practice. Um, but I don't think that's going to be a huge deal because I think these players have played with those kind of managers before. In terms of tactics, again, he's going to – he switched Atlanta United into a more 3-4-3 formation. Last year we were more of a 4 uh, – sorry, 3-2 Sorry, four two three one that shifted into a three man back line, and there were a lot, there was a lot of moving pieces to to what Atlanta United did in the past or last year and the year before. This year, much more three four three, much more possession based. Um, he is a his kind of fundamental tactical value is what's called a total football, which means that at any given point, you know, any player can essentially play any point any any position on the field which you see that a little bit in the way that Barco and, and Pity play. They kind of – they have the freedom to kind of roam wherever they want. Um, if you watch Breck Shea and, and, and Julian Gressel, uh, one of the good things about, you know, the, the transition in coaching and, and, and kind of the, the, the system that, that, that Frank DeBoer has kind of implemented is that it's very similar – in terms of what he's asking from his players, it's very similar to what Tata Martino asked – of uh, of the wingers, which is Julian Gressel and and tonight, for example, Breck Shea, um, they're going to get forward. They're going to have the ability to uh, you know get into the attacking third. Um, while at the same time, you're going to have that similar three man back line you had last year, uh, without giving up a, a someone in, in the central defense. Um, outside of that, it, it's you know, I'm still kind of in a wait and see pattern because he's made some uh, a couple of decisions that. I don't agree. I didn't agree with, and we're kind of strange. For example, George Bellow, I believe he's, yeah, I know he's young. I just, I, I forget exactly if he's 16 or 17. I think he's 17. Uh, but he started in the first CONCACAF Champions uh, League game for Atlanta United against Herediano. 
and struggled mightily. And he's a guy that is wants to play the young players. He's going to give young players a chance. The club he managed, uh, or that he's the club he's best known for managing. Um, they had that was kind of their attitude as well. We're going to play young players if they earned it. And, and don't get me wrong, Bello has earned playing time. I just don't know if that match was a great time to give him his his. Yeah, it wasn't a great time to put him in that position. It's a it's a unique environment going into Concacaf Champions League play. Uh, very physical, much more physical than we what you see in MLS, um, and it's kind of relentless. The amount of pressure he he kind of fell under. I think that Arediano knew that he was young. He was a he was a new kid, and then kind of took advantage of that. That's why in the next match you saw Breck Shea. At least in my opinion, there there are some that uh, well he he was listed from the by the coaching staff as as uh, having been injured in practice, and so that's what uh, kept him out. Supposedly kept him out of the second game. I think it was pretty obvious that he just wasn't the physicality that was needed on that left side just wasn't there. But I love the idea that he's willing to play young players. I think most most players, most fans are, are waiting to see the guys like Andrew Carlton, George Bello, Miles um, Robinson, for example, who had maybe one or two starts last year is is already started in all three Atlanta United matches. So it's good in that sense that he's he's. He's a good fit for for Atlanta United in 2019, having come off of Tata Martino and what he he was able to start with Atlanta United. Okay. All right. And um, the 17s, the 17s supporters. Um, are you a, a season ticket holder? I'm not. So I I uh, I'm lucky enough to get a credential for every every game. So. I'm at the I'm in the press box eating the press box food and the six chips, <laughs> all the good stuff. That's good, you know. I, like, I do. I, look, I, look, I, I like the comic folk. We got to pay to get in. Man, when you look, get a, when you get the when you're able to sneak in the press row, nothing like it. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say that I uh, I I it's I I mean I've been on the I for example the um the the con- the CCL match uh this past Wednesday at Fifth Third Bank Stadium I I was in the stand so I I frequently have opportunities to watch the games from the stands and I enjoy it much more in the stands don't get me wrong but it's very hard to convince the front <laughs> office to let me sit in the stands and then go talk to the coaching staff and the players afterwards to get quotes for the podcast, stuff like that. So I kind of have to pick one or the other. And, uh, you know, I, I I like being able to be as informed as possible. So I like to be able to go talk to the players and all that stuff. So, but I, I love the environment. There is, I don't think there's, uh, at least in Atlanta, I don't think there's a better fan base to in terms of tailgating in terms of uh the excitement and the interaction around the team than Atlanta United fans right now I think that Atlanta United was started at the perfect time because again there was there was talk about starting Atlanta United in 2014 and and thank goodness it didn't because that would have been the wrong time for the start having come off um a couple of good Falcons years and having come off uh you know the Hawks being essentially as bad as they are now you know, the Atlanta United needed something, or Atlanta needed something that they could kind of hold on to. And I think the the being the world world sport and the 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 attraction of of bringing in a new team and something, because I think the cool thing about Atlanta United the, the the fan base is that you still have the people that are the Steelers fans or the Patriots fans or the Saints fans. Oh, 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 oh. But when you go to Atlanta United in an Atlanta United match, everyone there is an Atlanta United fan. You don't see you don't see people in in, in oh, the opposing teams' jerseys oh, okay. at those yeah. matches. You do have yeah. certain section where they can sit, but typically you're not talking about more than two hundred people in yeah. a stadium full of seventy thousand. In that stadium, when Atlanta United is playing, at least when it's at full capacity, seventy thousand people are cheering for Atlanta United. That's the difference in I think the culture. Um, and the support of that Atlanta United has that the other teams don't have, and what that that kind of atmosphere they've created for themselves. Yes, you but Saints fans, if y'all are <laughs> look, no, this is Atlanta United is not y'all team. Y'all are closer. <laughs> y'all can be Houston Domino Domino fans. Y'all y'all go cheer them on. Like y'all don't need to cheer any any Atlanta sport team, none whatsoever. 
So they can they can get, get going with all that now. I, 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 I'm sorry. Like I, I despise Saints fans. I despise I despise Saints fans and I despise Ohio State fans. Like, no. Atlanta United is not no. No. I'm sorry. Yeah. Eric, you mentioned being in the press box, and uh I do know well, I know with uh baseball, basketball, and football, being in the press box and covering a certain team, or just being in the press box. You know, there are rules against cheering. You know, you're not supposed to root. You're not supposed to cheer. You're supposed to when your team is, you know. Uh, is soccer much like the same way? Uh, yeah. Etiquette in the press box? For the most part. Um, I know that every now and then. I mean, everyone that's in there is it's kind of a niche group in, in the sense that everyone kind of knows everyone in the press box. So if someone is cheering, um, typically they're going to get a warning from the front office staff. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't happen very often. I, I think the okay. only time I can remember it happening um, on a big stage was uh, I want to say maybe one of the playoff games where I don't know. It, it, it very early on in Atlanta United's uh, tenure at Bobby Dodd, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of cheering in the press box. Absolutely, a lot of <laughs> okay. cheering because there were a lot of people that were still getting used to what the the etiquette was. Yeah. Um, at not just in soccer matches, but you had people that were new to bloggers and and, and people that wrote for newspapers that were oh, new to okay. press to, just uh, press row period. Yes, they were just okay. new to 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 being a, a member of the media. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, last year, mostly last year, it, it wasn't so much a problem. Every now and then you heard the announcement, but yeah, you can't cheer in the press box, which mm-hmm. is a bummer. But I mean, you are there to work, so you there is the expectation that you know you're you're. They, they they make that a rule so that, you know, <laughs> so they, I, I, in, a, in a way you're not hurting or, or, or disrupting, you know, someone that's writing or following the other team. Um, there's not supposed to be, you know, uh, you're supposed to be writing from a, from a place of, of, uh, of objectiveness. You're supposed to be writing objectively or, or recovering the, the team objectively. Um, so when you talk to these players, when you talk to the coaches, when you when you are a member of, of the media for Atlanta United at the very least, and, and just about any other – the Braves the same way, the Falcons the same way. I've been in all those press boxes as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, you're supposed to be covering the team objectively. And, and you know, when you talk to these players and talk to the coaches, you're asking questions that – Typically, you want the answers to, but you know that the fans are asking. Um, right. But you're asking in a way that isn't going to is still cover. It's still an objective point about the team, not so much. You know, um, I don't know. Like you wouldn't ask a player a, a, a super specific fan question or something like that, unless gotcha. it was like on Facebook Live or something. And and he gotcha. just, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but no, it, it's it's fun. It's cool. It's it's definitely got its perks. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, there's no cheering in the press box. That is the one thing that it makes sense. But yeah, it 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 can be hard sometimes, especially when you see, especially since a lot of us are Atlanta United uh, uh, reporters. Essentially, um, it can get difficult not to like kind of elbow your 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 neighbor next to you and be like, "Yeah, that was that was awesome. That goal was awesome." Um, <clears throat> exactly. So but, you know, so far our, our viewers that aren't familiar with press row, now that you know cheering in the press box is frowned upon. Uh, you'll find that many senior media members who are credentialed, rules are different from them. I've had the, <laughs> the opportunity to be in the press box a couple times what, before, and you'll see funny. certain people like, oh, wow, he's openly cheering. Nobody say something to him, but if you do it, you know. <laughs> What's funny is that you'll see people that I, I applied for a credential for a U.S. men's national team match one time, mm-hmm. and you go through, it's a, it's a, U.S. Govern, governing body. So you go through U.S. soccer and they kind of do a background check on you. At the time, they saw me with all my U.S. men's national team gear and scarves and all that stuff. And I'd completely forgotten to take all that stuff down. So they initially rejected me. And then when I got to actually talking to the person in charge of this, I explained that, you know, hey, I'm I'm covering it for a radio station and, you know, Atlanta United's coming around. So we're going to be doing a lot more of this. This is why I want to start doing this with U.S. men's national team. Got on the phone with him and eventually explained my situation thoroughly enough to where he uh, he gave me he, gave, he approved me for a credential. But the funny thing he told me in that in that conversation was that South American, Central American uh, media people that sit in the press box, a lot of the times, what you'll see is uh, like a select few actually come in the home team's jersey 
as they're covering the team, <laughs> yeah. which is hilarious, which is something that he was trying to avoid when, when he saw all my stuff on social media. Yeah. Uh, but it's hilarious <laughs> to think that, that yeah, yeah. So I've been to, I've been to international matches. I've been to other club team matches where sure. When, when you're not, there's a couple teams in Paris that I can think of PSG that came and played, I think Manchester city, um, I think in, Char- in Charlotte and all the French media people, as soon as PSG scored, they cheered. <laughs> and that, that, uh, that, I mean, that does happen. Like it's not, yeah. but yeah, it is definitely frowned upon, frowned upon. If you did it say for the Braves or for the Falcons, they would give you a stern warning the very first time you did it for sure. Yeah, With yeah. international soccer, it's a little bit different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But um, but I'm pretty sure y'all were doing a lot of cheering Dece- uh, December 8th, uh, 2018, on a cold, wet night after the game. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, was kind of hectic because there were so many me- – I've never seen the press box as full as it was for that night. And I think a lot of people were jumping on the, the you know, how is Atlanta United doing this in two years? Uh, Portland Timbers were – they're kind of a legacy team in a, in a way where they're, they're one of, they were one of the – the very early teams that, to come into MLS uh, back in 1990, 1996. Uh, so, you know. Timbers? I thought the Timbers came in like in 2010. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm Because they was in the USL for a while. And yeah, then... they were definitely in the USL. And I, and I honestly forget off the top of my head. But I, I, I had the feeling they were one of the – anyways, they had won it previously before, and and they were a team that had a very strong supporter base. They're mm-hmm. a essentially they're I think that, and this is no offense to Atlanta United because I think a, a lot of Atlanta United fans would agree that the Portland Timbers have one of the best, one of the uh, most organized fan bases, supporters groups um, in MLS and in North America. They're very organized. They're very. Uh, original with their chants and, and with their uh, with their TIFOs and stuff like that. Atlanta United is great. And just the sheer number of people that they bring in is is awesome. There are times where, you know, you have two chants going on at the same time. And I think year one, year two, it's gotten a whole lot better. Um, and they've always been fantastic. I want to make sure I, I make that clear. Um, but you can tell at some t- some at points that they're still young, that, that there's still people around the section, the supporter section that are still trying to get into the um, into the into the groove of you know standing for all ninety minutes, making sure they cheer loud. You'll see a big pocket of the supporter section like jumping up and down. And that's how you kind of can tell that you know not everyone in that section is kind of bought into the idea of well, this is the supporter section, um, which is an awesome time. But in Portland, that entire section would be jumping, yeah. jumping and singing yeah. and chanting. Whereas Land United, a a large portion are, um, but I mean you do you still see parts of that, you know, if you guys know what I'm talking about, the where they show the TVOs and whatnot, that that massive, uh, I don't want to say wall, but uh, that massive supporter section, you know, there's a big portion of it that, you know, they may cheer, they may they may clap, and but they, they're not as rowdy as people lower in that section, which as as when that when that kind of rowdiness and and um, emphasis on being a supporter group, you know, spreads through, through the years, you're going to have that entire section, if not more of that, more than that, just that entire section being absolutely nuts. And at some point, Atlanta United is going to surpass the Portland Timbers in terms of that organization, in terms of that um, originality. Uh, it's just, it's, you know, Atlanta United's two, three years in. So it's, it's hard to come up with original stuff that quickly. I think the We Ready chant at the beginning of matches that is, I think, at this point, that's here to stay, and I love every second of that. I almost wish that, <laughs> I almost wish that the PA guys would cut the music off just so that we can hear the "We Ready" from the stands, as opposed to hearing the music that essentially draw dr- drowns out the supporters. It's it's almost a shame that they keep playing music over over the fans. I, I it's one of the things that bothers me about the Archie the Everson. Yeah, shout out to Archie Everson. <laughs> Archie. <laughs> um, he's a big, yeah, yeah. He, he's also a big uh, Atlanta United supporter as well. Um, in case a lot of people don't know, the supporter section at in the stadium that's over there by the window to the city uh, part. Like, if you facing the window to the city, that's the bottom bowl with the one hundred level. That's the supporter section. Um, Eric, I have one more question. Yeah, can you explain to me or to Everyone, transfer fees. 
How do transfer fees work? Can you explain in any kind of way where a medium intelligent guy like myself can understand it? <laughs> the best the best way I can explain it is you're essentially buying the rights to that player. Okay. Um from another team. So when you pay a transfer fee, you are Two teams are in talks with each other about selling. Let's say, okay, let's say that uh, Orlando City wants to buy uh, Pity Martinez, just as an example. That would never happen, but let's just go there. Um, in a perfect world where there weren't MLS rules, uh, Orlando City would pay for the right to talk to Pity Martinez about signing him, bringing him over to um, Orlando to play for Orlando. Um, so once that transfer fee is paid typically the conversations are, are are done ahead of time but once that transfer fee is paid then um the team and the player start talking to each other about you know salary and stuff like that and again a lot of this stuff is already prearranged. yeah gotcha. um, so for example in 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 almidon's case uh from what we understand the salary negotiation was pretty much done the only thing that they were waiting on was for atlanta united and newcastle to agree on what on the price for almiron from uh the price that newcastle was going to pay for almiron to atlanta united so this is a way in, in almiron's case this is a way to bring in players relatively cheap so i think we paid i want to say seven million dollars for almiron and we sold them for 20 Six million. Buy low sale, huh? So yeah, I mean, you, 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 <laughs> after you more than doubled. Um, dip, I forget exactly what the numbers are, but MLS takes a cut, the league does, um, okay. and then you get the remainder. So I think it it more than doubled um, the oh, the initial investment for Adam Yudon, even with his salary. So I mean, that's good, right? You want to you, you want to buy low, sell high. So the the idea is to do something similar with Barco. Barco is a player that they brought over for $15 million reportedly. And the idea is that you develop him enough that, uh, you know, he performs well enough that a team in Europe is going to come calling for him. And then they, you have that team pay you a transfer fee to then take him off your hands. Um, per, you know, ideally you're looking for something in the range of for Barco, you, you at the very least want to make your money back. Just so it's, so it's how, almost like you're you're buying the player and hoping he appreciates, and you want to make money off selling. Well, again, I mean, uh, the conversations between the, the the player and the team they typically happen are generally the same time that you're talking about the transfer fees. Mm -hmm. So that once the transfer fee is is a, is agreed on, then um, you know you bring the player over. That's already been a, the salary and 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 bonuses and, and all that has already been agreed to. You you have a physical. You make sure he's good to go and and you sign him. Typically, once you agree on the transfer fee, the rest is kind of set. And it's it's kind of a done deal. You're just kind of agreeing with the player for for in terms of salaries. But the transfer fee is what the club makes off the player, not gotcha. what they make what they make for selling the player. Okay, thank you. Now, it's like similar, said, it's all similar to like the NBA because you know the NBA you could trade a player for money, and buy his mm -hmm. contract out. Yeah, so it's similar to that. What, um, what's, what, what's cool is that so let's say that Alamion had a uh, uh, let's say he had a four year contract past mm -hmm. this year, so that contract is essentially ripped up, and uh, the new Newcastle essentially agrees to new terms, new wages, all that stuff. So okay, um, the the transfer fee is just the you're buying the right to, gotcha. to sign the player from this other team. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. Yeah. Cleared up, cleared up. Uh, <laughs> that. It gets, it gets, it gets more complicated than that, but that's, that's the gist of it. I don't want to overcomplicate it for the, for the, no, new, no, please don't give me any more. I told you medium intelligence, medium intelligence. <laughs> yeah. They got to, you know, just get a little taste of it first, you know, build upon exactly. You got to get the foundation on yep. that. Um, well, is there anything you want to plug, like your information? And, um, like, I know you said it early on in the show, but, really, yeah. you know, give you a chance to so you can, I can see you at. Yeah, you can find me at Eric G. Quintana on Twitter. Um, I talk about basically all I tweet is about uh, Atlanta United, what they're doing, um, how they're doing it. I tweet a lot during the games. Uh, my podcast is called The Mouths of the South Podcast. I do it with two other guys. Um, typically we do it once a week that 
day is kind of flexible just depending on when Atlanta United plays. Um, but typically it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And, but we let you know pretty much well ahead of time on, on Twitter. You can follow my podcast at MOTS Podcast, MOTS Podcast, Miles of the South Podcast, just abbreviated. And um, the other thing I'd, po- I'd plug is Dirty South Soccer. So if you're looking for kind of the latest news and notes regarding Atlanta United, uh, it's the SB Nation page for Atlanta United. And I, it's, there's a lot of bias in this, but because I obviously, uh, my podcast is through them, but they're <laughs> one of the best, if not the best uh, SB Nation blog that covers an MLS team. And I would venture to say that they're the best blog that covers a professional team in, in, in the United States Whoa. Um, Whoa. out there. At least on the SB Nation side, I, I think the, the the amount of coverage that they they give you is in, intense. They give you more than you need. Um, they're consistent. They're always updating things. Um, we've got guys with with the, who who uh, have uh, established sources and and um, they're well in touch with the team and and they're usually kept abreast of of everything that's going on. So Dirty South Soccer, you can follow them on Twitter at Dirty South Sock. And, of course, the website is DirtySouthSoccer.com. That's the other thing I'd plug. Yeah. Other than that, the radio show uh, every Wednesday. And Wednesday we kind of – on the radio show, because we know a lot of our listeners aren't heavy soccer fans, um, we kind of keep it simplified a little bit so that we're not, you know, talking over your head or anything like that. That's uh, every Wednesday, 7 to 8 o'clock at uh, p.m. on uh, 12.30 a.m., 106.3 FM. Uh, That is uh, Atlanta SportsX. Uh, every now and then we're on six eight of the fan. I also work for six eight of the fan, so that's that's how that kind of connects with each other. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all I got to play. <laughs> we got a lot of hey, y'all go check him out at all his platforms. <laughs> Please do. Go check him out at all his platforms uh, on, on Twitter as well. You guys go on Twitter and his bio, and you can see all his podcasts and his six eight, all his information. So if you pull him up on Twitter and check his bio, you can see everywhere he's at. And looks like he's everywhere. So we certainly appreciate him being here today. Uh, we This is a very special show um, because this is a show where I, I talk a lot. This is a show where I did a lot of listening because, and the two main things that I wanted to understand, you definitely helped, helped me understand the transfer fees and the difference between the World Cup. So those are two things that I definitely <laughs> had. So I'm pretty sure other fans had those same questions. So you definitely helped me a lot. Exactly. We appreciate you. And breaking, yeah, we appreciate you. Breaking news. Uh, Atlanta <laughs> Legends have won their first game, 14-11. Thank God. Hey. We'll, we'll, we'll get hot now. <laughs> well, one and four? Yes. One and three. 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 Ten games. Ten games. So, hey, we can we can get hot now. We'll get hot and get rolling and steamroll through. The, what do they call the playoffs? All right. But uh, thanks, you guys. Thanks for hollering at your hometown spot uh, podcast. It's Coach Mario, the real one, baby, and my partner, Don. All right, y'all. Y'all have a good evening. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. Next week, we'll be talking about some baseball. Next week episode will drop on Monday. I know normally we do our shows on Sunday, but next week we're going to do – we're going to record Monday night. So um, come check us out. Uh, appreciate you, Eric, for uh, joining us on uh, this late Sunday evening. And uh, hopefully we can have you on again uh, in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. We out. All right, we out.